Hello Chikarmi and welcome to a special edition of Chikara in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host Alex Chikarza and normally I would ask for 15 minutes of your time to give you Chikara but we've got two seasons to look back on so we need a bit more time to cover it all. I'm joined by a special guest today a man who needs no introduction but I should give him one anyway to cut out awkward silence. He's the co-host of the Viva Chikara podcast the man who runs the Chikara Special website on Tumblr and WordPress, an all-around great guy. He is Kevin Ford. Hi, Kevin. Hi. I would argue that I, I definitely do need an introduction, and I appreciate you giving me one. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've had a question on that that's been on my mind since we started talking about uh, getting together to talk about season 17 and 18, and that question is simply, what is this, a crossover episode? Uh, I suppose you could call it that. <laughs> uh so that's a good question yeah uh so this you know we've been talking about a little bit uh back and forth before we got started this is a quick chance to look back at season 18 and also season 17 because somehow chikara managed to run two seasons at once (laughs) yeah somewhat it was definitely like when I when I think back to 2017, I I will very vividly remember the day I watched National Pro Wrestling Day and the big reveal that there was a whole season taped in mystery to to still be discovered, and what a what a shock that was and how very exciting that that prospect was at the time. So like that's the one of the very first things that that jumps to my mind when I think back to the year that was. Yeah, I I remember reading the 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 tweets from National Pro Wrestling Day, and. Uh... I think one of the funniest things about it was everyone's shock at Ultraman is black cutting a promo in the middle of the ring and at the end of it revealing that he had the grand championship and nobody had it like this was on top of like a little bit of confusion when I guess uh, Vlad had made the like had talked about it being the beginning of season 18 and people were confused from the get go. But by the time that promo happened, everyone was like, what's going on? Right, because like the Force, who were at the National Pro Wrestling Day making what we thought was their tag team debut, they won the match and and flat announced them as having three points. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's their debut match. This wasn't this was one on one. It wasn't an elimination. How could they possibly have three points? I thought again. I didn't even notice when it aired the the season eighteen thing that Vlad said, and that I think is a. Uh, Something people could assume was an easy mistake, uh-huh. but that seemed like a pretty big error. And I was just like, ah. Uh, that's weird. And then when it ended, yeah, it was like, oh, okay, I, yeah. I get it now. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I think that was. I mean, that was the only thing that was really confusing to me because, in, in hindsight, I feel like what would have been nice is if they had like maybe announced something about it, uh, like something about it ahead of time, you know? Because as it was, we didn't even know there was a season seventeen until after. Well- I think. Well, I think, you know, they're, you know, kind of the purpose of it is to say when National Pressing is over, by the way, there was a secret season. You can go watch the first three episodes right now on Chikaratopia. That's true. And so I think the shock factor was there. The excitement factor was there. I don't remember if I watched any that night. I may have watched one that night, but I definitely like by like the end of the next day, I watched all three of them and it was. Uh, you know, just aching for more, you know, anytime I know there's Chikara stuff out, just to get answers and, and see what, you know, what all happened to, to all the characters they had to, they had to ride off into the sunset, um, due to, due to other things coming up in the world of professional wrestling with so many of these characters. So it was an interesting thing that they really 
seemed to be doing out of necessity because they had so many characters they needed to to end and and, uh, and I appreciate them taking the extra time to do it as opposed to just kicking them all out the door at the end of season 16 uh, but also providing a, a cool thing for Jakartopia subscribers or to encourage people to to give the service a chance yeah for sure you know I, I I was I made some notes on the highlights of season 17 and one of the things I had was uh, so you know they a lot of people ref, you know they referred to it as a, a secret season and from what I understand this was the first one in several years, but not necessarily the first ever secret season. And I think you mentioned something about there being some kind of previous secret season, maybe back in the early days or something. There was never another secret season. There was a couple shows that they they weren't like true Chikara shows that they oh, okay. that they taped or didn't advertise. Like it would be basically like what was the well like the equivalent of a, of a local Lucha Libre show that featured Chikara talent. Oh, and they man. had matches featured on like what would be the pod purviews at the time and eventually would end up on whatever the, the wrestling is service prior to what Chikara Topia had become. They would rotate out some uh, Chikara shows here and there. Like you would get, you'd pay whatever it was a month and you'd get part of their archives, but not everything. And they would include some, some bonus stuff uh, that had never been seen before. And there were some things in there, but a whole season worth of, of footage had never been done like that before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about with the, with the shop dot wrestling is I, I actually had that for a bit too. And yeah, I remember cause that was a, I guess the, their deal was, it was closer to what Netflix is in terms of like a rotating collection where they'd have some stuff that kind of shifted through. Right. And it, predated most of what we see from other wrestling streaming services. And now it seems like Jakarotopia is more sort of trying to mimic what those services provide as opposed to Netflix, which would to me make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the, so the show titles for season 17 are named after episodes of the television show lost, which led to some people calling it the lost season, which kind of makes sense on different levels. Right. And I and there was definitely some people who when it got announced seemed to be confused. They were like, So is this like a flashback thing? Are they did, did was there time travel involved? I think the time travel trope really tripped some people up and I was like, No, no, no. We all know when this happened. It happened between these two seasons. Right. They're just airing it as season eighteen is happening. Like it wasn't a mystery of when this is happening or, or what happened. Uh, to me it seemed very clear, but I definitely knew when it first got announced. I had a lot of people asking me, like, wait, is this a weird another time travel thing that went on? So <laughs> I think I think they made it as clear as they could, but I think some people who don't follow it very intently, it, it was a little lost on them. Yeah. No pun intended as to what was going on. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, we, we obviously had some big storyline stuff coming from Season 17, which made it very interesting to have that happening uh, kind of con- concurrently with Season 18. Like the, uh, excuse me, like the uh, influence of Nazmuldun gone from Chikara, leaving Hollow Wicked and Frightmare to be kind of what was left of, of that particular storyline from season sixteen. And kind of the cross section of Ultramantis Black rising through the ranks, and trying to go after Hollow Wicked and the Grand Championship. And Cobalt too. Don't forget. Yes. 
and Cobalt's, uh, I guess, I feel like the best way to put it, kind of an identity crisis of sorts, where he wasn't sure of himself because of uh, Nas Muldoon no longer speaking in his ear, as he kind of put it, and just being very confused throughout much of season 17, and I guess to a certain extent, season 18 as well. Right. At least halfway through. Yeah. yeah, it's and I and I think for him it's like why was why did this happen to him and not everybody else? And I think the explanation was that, you know, he had died, then been resurrected, mm-hmm. then been hexed, then this is broken, and it's just a lot for someone's body and soul to go through. And yeah. so that's why he ended up the way he did. Yeah. And then uh, I thought it was interesting that during the se- the during season seventeen they also had a uh, they had an infinite an infinite gauntlet which uh, Dash- Dasher Hatfield won. And I thought it was really interesting, kind of like, I thought it was interesting, like, because, you know, season 17 started, if I remember correctly, like, the one of the first, like, scenes you get in season 17 is the conversation between Hatfield and Touchdown about uh, what happened to to Touchdown when he was hexed and, like, you know, the, the situation about, you know, the three points earned and all that. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought it was interesting, like, when Dashford Hatfield won the Infinite Gauntlet for season 17, uh, he decided not to go for a grand championship with the Golden Opportunity. And I think that actually, not only did that speak well for that particular story with him and Mr. Touchdown, but it also set a precedent for how golden opportunities are handled and quite frankly answered a question that was left lingering for much of uh, season 16 went after uh, crown and court won the, their golden opportunities in season 15. Cause I know a lot of people were like, so does each person get like their own single shot at a title? Can they, do they both have to cash in for a tag title shot or, you know, and what's really interesting to me is, and this is just me personally, is when Los Ice Creams got, you know, everybody on the team got a golden opportunity that I knew. I think most people when Los Ice Creams had first cashed in at the end of season, or I guess midway through season 16, mm-hmm. and the uh, defeat energy, and then that got overturned and all that stuff. I think everybody assumed that both of their points were gone. Yeah. And then this plus solo winning then Garland in season 18 and cashing in for the rumble bees was a subtle way without outright saying anything that you only need one point to cash in for a tag title opportunity. Right. And so some more astute people would, would realize, okay, then that means the low ice cream still have one opportunity left, but I had kind of forgotten until it happened. And yeah. did the thing in season 18 where they came in and I was like, Oh, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Like I, I had completely forgotten that. Oh yeah. Los ice cream still have a, a golden opportunity lingering. So, uh, yeah, it not only didn't answer a question, but I think they took some, some nice steps to set the precedent before it even happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, uh, we, we, you mentioned before about like one of the, one of the big purposes of having a season 17 was to help bridge the gap on some storylines, put uh, wrap up certain ones involving, uh, Heidi Loveless, princess Kimberly and mustache mountain in particular since they had been, you know, hired by WWE and there was a whole lot of stuff going on where they just 
they weren't we we kind of knew that they weren't going to be around because they were hired you know they basically came onto the roster at least for NXT or what have you more or less during that break so it definitely left some questions and one of the things one of those questions that was particularly interesting was the tag title situation because you know I, season 18 began with Crummels and Defarge being the champions. <laughs> and that was one of those where it's like, wait, what happened? And and I thought it was an interesting choice to not put, to not have Crummels and Defarge come out with the tag titles at National Pro Wrestling Day. Right. They were both on the show and they did the title reveal with Mantis, but they decided not to do it with Crumbles and Defarge. And I, and I think that's a very interesting choice they had made. Yeah. See, so now I'm trying to remember. Was it was it revealed at another show, or was it revealed like on social media or something? Because I don't remember. I I think that they did it in either like an event center or some other match announcement that it was you know the Force versus Crumbles and Defarge for the titles in March. But uh, I you know I don't remember with any certainty when it was first revealed. Okay. I just know it wasn't a national for wrestling day. Oh, okay. Okay. That was strictly the, the Ultramantis black reveal then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Still, I thought, and I think it was really cool to see like how they resolved the tag title situation in season 17. Uh, you had, you know, crumbles and Defarge who just kept earning points. Like I, you know, I, I, I tried to catch up on season 17 and the build up to this and, I was looking, I think at one point they were shown as having like five points. I think that was right before their uh, match against the Rumblebees in season 17. They had like five points at that time. Yeah, they had like six or seven going into the match. I can't remember which one it is. The one thing I kind of thought that was a missed opportunity was way back in 2008, when the season ended, the colony had like six or seven points. Right. And because of this, when they fought the portal, they were able to name their own stipulations for the match. And they said, all right, the match is only going to be one fall. And uh, then a Syrian portals manager, a Scorpion Egyptio, was banished from ringside. So I thought when they did the, the three-way match with the closers, the throwbacks, and Crumbles and Defarge, they should have been able to say, hey, wait a second. You know, the precedent's been set that when people have this many points, they might get a little special treatment here. How about we only have to get one fall here to, to get the titles? And I think that would have added a little more, uh, I don't know, a little zhuzh to the match, a little something, a little some extra to a little urgency to the contest, if you will. Right. Um, but that's just personal. Pre- I mean, that didn't like ruin the match or anything. Yeah. That just would have been personal preference or, or even them bringing it up and, and Quackenbush saying no, <laughs> you know, just, just outright yeah. denying them that, that opportunity I think would have been a, a nice nod to, the past but yeah. again that's just the that's just the chikara nerd myself yeah yeah i think as it is that what they ended up doing with with that was the way they did end up building the uh the tag title match itself because uh you also had the closers that were gaining points and continuously challenging mustache mountain just to show up really and on top of that you had the throwbacks who had reteamed after Dasher earned his golden opportunity and decided to cash it in for a tag title shot. 
So we end up having a, I have down as a special triple threat tag match with the first team to score two falls winning the titles. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, which I and it's I, a, it's a, it's unfortunate that Mustache Mountain obviously couldn't defend them, but I think this was kind of the the best case scenario of what they could have done, given yeah. that they weren't able to get you know Trent and Tyler into to properly defend them. In hindsight, they should have tried to get a team to drop them King of Trios weekend in 2016, but yeah. uh, at the time we didn't know that was going to happen. So what yeah. can you do? Yeah, I I think uh, that kind of reminds me like. Because this past the past year or so, I've been uh, recapping uh, NXT for for WrestleView, and uh, one thing that's been kind of fun is seeing kind of the rise of like the United Kingdom division where they show up on NXT, and I've had the pleasure of seeing Mustache Mountain team and fight each other a couple times now, which has been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, they're doing you know some of the best stuff in WWE today, especially Tyler with the the Pete Dunn trilogy. I mean, that's just some of the best stuff. Yeah. It's it's probably the best stuff in WWE this year, but just some of the best stuff in wrestling altogether. And it's so cool watching those guys succeed in the level they did, and and of course getting the opportunity to come back and do King of Trios uh, in season eighteen. Yeah, I, I I remember it's 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 definitely been an interesting year seeing like WWE like doing these different kind of partnerships where they will have certain wrestlers show up at indie shows. Like I, I it's been more prevalent with the uh, British promotions, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely been interesting to say the least uh, kind of on the, I think what's also been interesting is like, so going, you know, with Chikara doing their season 17, also having to say goodbye to princess Kimberly and Heidi Loveless and doing that in two very different ways. Uh, we had Princess Kimberly and her uh, interactions with the Whisper, which I think helped set up quite a bit for uh, what to expect from the Whisper in season 18. And Heidi Loveless having her last match, which I did manage to, like, I, I got to see that recently, uh, her last match against uh, Eric Cannon. Yeah, it was a very good one. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting to see that kind of goodbye for Heidi Loveless, especially with the, like, the segment at the end of that episode where uh, Team C stars who have been looking for a mentor during that season going to her and she explains to them that it's her last day. Uh, meanwhile, you have Princess Kimberly, I guess, apparently being goaded or something by by the Whisper to be more vicious or something like th- that. I, I guess I'm still kind of confused by that storyline, you know, like. I recognize that it was something that kind of built from the beginning of season 17 to the end, but I don't know. There's still some confusing details on that. On the whispering Kimberly storyline. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's a lot of questions I, I still have about the whisper. Like, so why is he here? How did he get his powers? Why is he using them on her? Is he, why does he have this barbershop? Why were people going to it? What's with the yo-yo? Like, is this an eye of tear thing? Like, there's there's a lot of unanswered stuff with the whisper. Um, and I really, I mean, I don't know. The, the Kimberly stuff felt interesting, but it also felt like a little bit of a miss leaving uh, season 17. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe unless, you know, one day we might find out what her secret was. But also, why? Do, how does the whisper know this? Why? How come he's uh, 
how come he knows all these secrets? And if it seems like all these people were willing to share privileged information with him at his barbershop or whatever, but why, you know, do they, do they know him from before is like, what, what makes him so, so trustworthy in that environment? Again, it's just, it's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. Yeah. Which I think the closest thing to answers we've had about that has been the fact that during like throughout season 18, it seems like the whisper is just somehow held the secrets of, some of these wrestlers like between Kimberly and Ophidian, Lucas Calhoun, Missile Assault Man, we'll get into that in a little bit, but just like this idea that he somehow has these secrets and he seems to, he kind of seems to be a bridge back to some of the Tidor stuff from season 14 and before. So, right. And I don't know. It's, it's been interesting to say the least. Cause I know there's been, some like complaints about like when they kind of did their reboot of sorts for seasons 15 kind of leaving so much of that behind, but it seems like a lot of it's kind of reared its, its head back into the, into the forefront. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily mind it if it, if it makes sense and it's interesting. Yeah. And some of it is. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of team C stars, uh, as you know, talked about, they were seeking out uh, mentors, talking to uh, Ultramantis Black, Heidi Lovelace, and others before finally getting a little bit of a partnership with Oberian. And <laughs> I, I think it's been interesting to see like the rise of this monster named Murloc. You know, I remember they they showed the first match of Murloc in season seventeen and. It was interesting to watch that after like his kind of season eighteen debut. In what way? Um, just well, again, kind of going back to like the idea of like you know trying to understand like these characters that have kind of popped up after, like, uh, sorry, uh, basically like the fact that we've had these characters kind of come into play on season eighteen, and you know, particular, especially with like. Like you said, like the force coming in with a certain number of points already, and like go, kind of going back to season seventeen and seeing how things began, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really liked Murloc. Um, you know, he's one of my one of my favorites of the new crop. And I think one of the big things between seventeen and eighteen was just the massive amount of churn in the roster we have. I mean, the list of people who have who have left Chikara in the past year is is huge. Yeah, and they re- replenish the roster with the Whisper and Murloc and the Zyberhawks and, and Travis Huckabee, and uh, plus you had you know Crumbles and Defarge carrying from season sixteen to this. And but it's just it, it's very it's very shocking to see so many people, especially characters who were beloved and had been there for such a long time, leave the promotion. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that how that affects. Uh, business and the storylines going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the Cyberhawks in particular have been an interesting trio to watch, both in in uh, individual matches and like together as a unit. Quite like the the rise of Razorhawk in particular, becoming a uh, Young Lions Cup champion for a bit. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the passing of back and forth the Young Lions Cup was kind of a story in and of itself of, of the past season. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're just trying to beef up those um, the, the Golden Dreams matches in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that, that was fun. And then, like, we, you know, having uh, certain guests kind of come in for maybe a match or two throughout season 18 has been fun. Uh, one other big kind of feud I was p- paying attention to between season 17 and 18 was the, uh, the explosion of team NRG, uh, race Jackson and hype Rockwell having their issues between each other. Uh, you know, race Jackson turning on Rockwell and kind of becoming more of a, a narcissist type character in the process. That was interesting. And it felt like it was time for, for NRG to, to do something. Um, yeah. I never disliked NRG. I, I never did. But it, but they never – they just never seemed to catch on yeah. with people. You know, I, I could name you a good handful of, of NRG matches I enjoyed, but just – they just never seemed to connect. And I think this was, this was really necessary. I think the way in which Race Jackson turned on Hype Rockwell was, was very surprising, but also – there was there was a, a weight to it that a lot of wrestling turns don't have, and I think he's much better off in the role he's in now. And and, and kind of for for hype, it's it's to be determined. Yeah. Um, uh, just because he's he's only been back for a couple of months, but you know he goes into season nineteen as the only person with three points. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It just it 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 feels like he he needs some some freshening up, like Race did to to really. To really set himself apart from just being the guy from NRG who's on his own now. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But I I, I agree with this decision to 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 do away with the pair. If they weren't gonna like make them Rudos or something, I think this was the right choice. Oh yeah, for sure. It it definitely made like I think it was interesting that like you had you know, you had the turn during season seventeen. You had Race kind of do his own, you know, more unique personality in the in the course of that and then hype rockwell not being around and then coming back like slowly coming back too, like having like you know those those uh moments during race jackson matches where you have like you know somebody's watching me playing (laughs) and like kind of the the mind games that hype kind of tried to play with race prior to his actual return was interesting and you know I think in particular, you know, I I especially enjoyed the uh, the match they had at closing time to kind of settle that feud. But I think yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it definitely raises a lot of questions. You know, obviously, you know, race losing that mask, uh, the match and becoming masked, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in season nineteen. Personally. And I, I realize, like, on certain things when it comes to Chikara, I stand alone on this. But personally, I'm hoping that maybe this means we get the return of Creator Wrestler uh, and that Race Jackson is kind of forced to be Creator Wrestler <laughs> just to find himself a new identity. See, I personally hope he, because uh, he got put in, like, this plain white mask uh-huh. at the season finale. I hope he just like puts a picture of himself on the mask <laughs> that he wears over his face. 
I just oh that's great. That's the that's I would call that the face equivalent of uh, Kurt Angle putting on a toupee after losing his hair. <laughs> right there, you go. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah, I don't know what I, you're I talking think, about. This isn't a mask. And and I think you know hype going away for a little bit was kind of necessary because you needed some time for race to be able to establish his new character while also not having hype lingering around because I'm thinking, all right, if hype's around, why is he not going to kick race Jackson's butt every show right. they're on together? Right. And also just time to, to, to kind of sell the injury. You know, I, I hate to use those words, but if he's just back, you know, after a month or whatever it is and everything's okay, then it kind of takes away from, race Jackson pushing the entrance stage on top of him. Yeah. Um, and, and what I thought was killing him off. I w I was a little bit surprised to see when they started doing video stuff for him coming back. Yeah. I, I kind of thought he was going to be done, especially with the, the pro the, just the large amount of people who had been leaving the season. It, it, yeah. it seemed like he was just another one and then he returned and it was a uh, quite a surprise. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think you know we we talk about the people coming and going uh, from season seventeen and eighteen. I feel like I I would be remiss if I didn't at least talk about it for a little bit. Talk about Ultramancis Black, and uh, you know he was he was out of commission for a while uh, during season sixteen. He became sort of the vessel of Nas Muldoon, uh, and that culminated in like the Eye of Tear seemingly being destroyed at, at Supremacy. Ultramancis kind of being able to do one last run, as I've have as I've kind of put it, uh, culminating in him winning the grand championship by defeating Hollow Wicked during season seventeen and holding on to it until WrestleMania weekend during uh, season eighteen. So I kind of want to maybe spend a few minutes just to talk a little bit more focus on on Ultramantis and that last run. Well, I thought the last one was great. I thought he looked really good in his last few matches to get the three points, win the title, and his his pair of title defenses, and then his uh, seemingly his farewell anniversario. But I can't help but think, and by no means I'm I'm no I'm no businessman, I'm no wrestling promoter. I don't I don't know anything. Um, but I can't help but feel like putting Hollow Wicked versus Mantis that feud ending match, the title change in the secret season was a mistake. Hmm. I feel like that was a match people really, really wanted to see. And they would have, they could have had a lot of people pay tickets to go see that match at anniversary or some other event. Um, had, had they not put it on the secret season, I get why you want to do it because if you have a secret season that just matches and, and that's about it, there's, there's no, there's nothing special about that. You know, people can, afford to miss matches, but missing a couple title changes and infinite gauntlet and, and all that other stuff is obviously more appealing. And it makes you feel like you're, you're, you're watching something worthwhile in this, in this finale yeah. or in the secret season, I should say, but man, it just feels like that was, um, you know, that, that was a, that was a hot match. That was a match that, that really felt like it was, it would have been a big deal. and would have, would have sold a ton of tickets. And so to, to put it in a secret season, which had, you know, my understanding was no fans, you know, no, no tickets being sold or anything just, just feels so odd to me. Um, yeah. and again, I, I, I see both sides of it, but it just, it does feel like a missed opportunity. Yeah. I, I can, I can definitely see what you're saying. I feel like 
the 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 best explanation for it really is like the idea of like I get you know it definitely because it it definitely fit well with like the story they were telling with Ultramantis during that season of him like kind of dealing with the remnants of the Nazmal Dune uh, storyline and trying to get to Hollow Wicked after everything he put him through in the previous season. But I, I, I can definitely see and even kind of agree to an extent like that that would have definitely been a fun match to see happen live like with people, you know, that, you know, would have definitely paid tickets, you know, paid to, to go see that. But I think overall, I think this was, a, like you said, a good run for Ultramantis and like, if it, you know, and I guess, you know, this is the reason, I, you know, I wanted to spend a few moments to talk about it, like. I'm okay with even addressing the fact that, like, even though he seemingly retired at Anniversario from Chikara, like, the fact that he still had a couple of matches here and there outside has been kind of interesting, to say the least. But I think I think, I think think his uh, story kind of coming to an end at Anniversario came in, a, you know, I think, I think they, they told it in, in a good way. Yeah, I, I suppose... It is fitting in a way. He did pin Manta, or I'm sorry, he pinned Hella Wicked in the in the fall of that match. So there is something there, and I it's the anniversary show, and he had Mister Zero as his partner, and yeah. Crossbones was on, was featured on the card elsewhere, and so there's a lot of other key things here. But yeah, it's it it definitely when you see him pop up on some of the Powerbomb TV events or the. Uh, uh, one of the, the charity shows in New Jersey in, in November, it sort of does raise an eyebrow yeah. as to why it happened. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens because as far as I can tell, he hasn't been on Chikar- like in Chikara in any aspect since Anniversario. So, I, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens because I remember something similar happening. Like, I think it might have been during the shutdown angle where – uh, Ultramantis won a championship in AIW at one point. So yes. So we'll just ha- we'll just wait and see. But you know, I I think I think you know they told a good story with that last run. Yeah, it was a good story. Um, you know, I I, I like the match with them in Smash Master a lot. Uh, the Coronado match was what it was, but it got Coronado the title. Mm-hmm. And you're right. He hasn't been there in any aspect. He hasn't done commentary. He hasn't been back to manage. But the the other thing with me is I thought, you know, if he's still wrestling and he's obviously in good enough health to to be around, when you're in a period where so many of these people, so many of these Jakar regulars are dropping like flies, I would want to keep as many characters that can be tied into the past around. It's And in a way it feels like, almost Mantis got traded for Granakuma in that respect. Right. Like Mantis goes out and here comes Granakuma, who's this character that's tied into Chikara's past coming back, which don't get me wrong. I love Granakuma. I'm very happy he's back here, but it seems like the value of having Mantis around is so huge that it, if it was not his decision to leave, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. Um, I'm actually glad you brought up Granikuma because that was going to be my next point. Like, you know, with so many people leaving, it was also kind of nice to see some of the debuts and returns. And Granikuma was definitely a nice, uh, it was a welcome surprise when he was announced 
believe originally it was what, what was his did they first announce him as coming back for the anniversario match yes okay because I, I remember I was remember even listening to the Viva Chikara you and Justin did for for like leading up to that and just like just how excited it, how exciting it was to have Granit Kuma come back sure it had been four years since he had wrestled in Chikara and then he he went away again and He's another person I never understood why he was gone because he too was wrestling, I mean, not every weekend, but very often in, in, in the New Jersey area and, and other parts of the East Coast and for excellence and, and things like that. And then he comes back an hour of power unannounced and then he's announced for the finale. And he said on Twitter the other day, it seems like he's uh, he, he doesn't know exactly what dates he's working, but he's he's on the Chikara ship for 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 the future going forward you know he's been added back to the to the main part of the roster page yeah taken out of the alumni section so that's all good signs i thought it was interesting he said on twitter you know i thought about hanging it up at the end of 2017 but it seems like there there's still a spot for for somebody who's a veteran like him who can you know teach a little bit to the to the younger wrestlers while still beating them up and i had kind of posited on on a viva jacara that I think you have an interesting contrast between the former Fist tag team where Icarus seems to be trying to mentor and help guys like Travis Huckabee, the newer class of Chikara, mm-hmm. um, and, and taking his role in, in the Furies, if that's even still a thing, while Akuba comes in and beats the heck out of Silverhawk, beats the heck <laughs> out of Officer Barksdale, and uh, it, it's it's like teaching a, a lesson to the young guys. And and that's kind of the, the one benefit of all, this, of all this churn, is that there's a lot of freshness to the matchups here. Um, and, and pretty much everybody Akuma faces either is going to be a fresh matchup or it's going to be uh, fun for the sake of nostalgia to see him lock up with somebody from the past. So that's really cool for, for him. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited because, like you said, it's just nice to, to, see, to see a veteran like Gran Akuma come back after so long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, so I wanted to take a little bit of time to kind of, you know, we talked a little about some of the story beats uh, already, but talk a little bit more focused on season 18. And uh, I talked to you bef- before we recorded, but I'd like you to maybe take the lead a little bit since you, I would say, are much more caught up on season 18 than I am. So I, I guess I want to kind of hear like kind of the highlights of season 18 for you personally just get an idea of like what, what you thought of it and, and whatnot. Gosh, well, I'm, I'm trying to think back and it, it feels, it feels so hard. Like it feels like such a distant memory now almost Yeah. the, the whole season already. I guess that's what happens when it's been almost, uh, well, I guess as the day of recording this, it's been a month since the finale. So yeah. I've, I've almost kind of put Jakar in my rear view for, for the year. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the, the one thing that I remember most about is kind of like the whisper stuff and the bringing back of parts of um, like the Tidor conglomerate, like yeah. where he's helping out Jeremy Leary and helping him fight the effects of Ophidian's hypnosis so that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. He's giving Juan Francisco de Coronado basically like um, some sort of phrase to whisper in Miss Saltman's ear that triggers him to be paralyzed and of course, messing with a little bit, uh, helping Jeremy Leary mess with Lucas Calhoun, mm-hmm. whose identity Leary basically tried to co-opt. Now it seems like there there's more to them 
uh, being related somehow or something like that. So there's a lot of that intrigue stuff that um, a lot of people in Shikar either really like or really do not like. Yeah. And uh, I, I enjoy it. I mean, that's the kind of that those kind of aspects are what really got me interested in Chikara in the first place. All the I of tier stuff. Um, so that comes to mind. Uh, there's just the loss of so many characters with Frightmare killing a bunch of people off. Uh, the revelation when Silverant got killed off that he was the brother of Dieter von Seigerwald. That was a big reveal when that happened. Um, do you know about that? Uh, yeah, because I believe was that something they talked that Mike talked about in uh, like Quack, Quack talk about on commentary or something? Or it was yeah, of, yeah. Um, like in the in the Ashes movie they did in twenty fourteen, they had something where I guess Dieter had a hand in Derek Sabato revealing the Dieter conglomerate for who they were, and that's right. when Jakar shut down. Right, right. And, and they mentioned about his brother being safe. Yes, and, and then, at the time. I remember at the time, a lot of people were thinking maybe 17, like the character 17 was the brother, like whether it was the original 17 or just whoever was taken, you know, which was a weird theory in itself about like whether 17 was the same person, like Mm -hmm. after natural pro wrestling day, 2014. So, right. Which we will get to in a second. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so then when when Sofran got kicked off or got killed off, you know, Quack said on commentary like, "I'm sorry, Dieter, I failed you." Yeah. So you're like, "Oh, okay, I guess they're brothers," um, which is which is interesting. You know, that's something that nobody would have ever suspected. And I appreciate that. You know, three years after this movie had premiered, they they stuck with it, and that's that's what I love about your car, man. You know, something you'll totally forget. They'll bring it back up, and you'll be like, "Oh, yeah. oh, damn, okay." Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of that. And then Frightmare himself basically be putting to rest by by Fire Ant, but not without a ton of casualties all the way. And that was sort of their way of, of writing out a, a bunch of different people Yeah. from there. Um, then you had, like, Juan's title reign was, of course, a story in and of itself. You had uh, Oleg helping Kobold find himself. Uh, basically, Kobold was rifted between good and evil. Oleg hit him with off of his head. Even though Oleg didn't want to, uh, after Coronado threw powder in his eyes, Cobalt saw the, the opportunity to sneak in and get blasted by a blinded Oleg, and that turned Cobalt to a super fan of Oleg's until the end of this season, where uh, that that partnership sort of dissolved. Yeah, and uh, with and Coronado still champion. I mean, that's that's something I don't think a lot of people saw. Is we had we had the Dasher kind of becoming uh, a failure, a loser of sorts with the season. He just couldn't seem to to get money wins. Uh, Angela said he was doing just fine on his own, but when the throwbacks were teaming, Dasher would take the fall, um, and just they they never could get points again. Right. Uh, Dasher took the fall in the second round of King of Trios to to British Strong Style. I think after Angela said he won the first round for them, and to, to Angela said he's credit, he never seemed to hold it against Hatfield, at least not yet. And then. Suddenly, you know, Hatfield found out within him to become the first person to beat Murloc by pinfall. Mm-hmm. And then he he bested Moose and Keith Lee, some of those outside talents you had talked about in two matches. And it seemed to be completely set up to defeat Juan Francisco de Coronado for the for the grand championship of the finale. And then he uh, he failed again. Yeah. He, and now we leave the season and uh, it's back to square one for old for old Dasher. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Uh, well, I guess we're talking about, we talked about King of Trios for a second. So mm-hmm. 
British strong style of Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven won King of Trios this year. It was the first time King of Trios was in England, mm-hmm. which was big in and of itself. And I had quite a few people come to me and tell me how disappointed they were that they won the tournament. But I, and I think a lot of people were still salty that they never dropped the tag titles. They're in WWE now. What the heck? But if you're asking me, and I guess I'm on your podcast, so you are in a way. <laughs> I don't think there was any other choice. I There's a lot of people who wanted Sendai Girls to repeat, and I understand that. Sendai Girls are great, but British wrestling super hot right now. These three guys are super hot right now. They are, I would say, the best trio in professional wrestling right now. They're just to the point where I even think I said on my preview podcast, there's nobody I would believe to beat them. And the Sendai girls did an amazing job of making me second guess, guess myself in the finals. But, you know, I predicted them from the start and it made all the sense in the world to me to have British Strong Style win it. And they put on three excellent matches over the weekend, including one of the best of the year in the finals of the Sendai girls. So while I understand some people's frustrations, um, I, I think it was the right call. And I think it was a really, really great finals. It's it's for me, it's tied for match of the year with uh, Juan Francisco de Coronado versus Fire Ant from Chicago. Um, and I think I'd give the Grand Championship match just the slightest edge. Either way, though, this King of Trios was a really good one. The entire weekend is worth checking out if you haven't. It's uh, it's so much fun. Uh, being in the atmosphere of England gives it a little... Uh, it's it's It makes it stand out in that, in that way, and it opened up our eyes to a lot of new people there. And another tournament that made its debut this year was the Johnny Kid Invitational. And they announced it with a week's notice yep. and included the debuts of, of Matt Riddle uh, in, in Chikara, which is huge in and of itself. Him and Hallowick yeah. is another one of my favorite matches of the year. Talk about outsiders coming in Chikara. He was one mm-hmm. of them. Zack Sabre Jr. was another one competing in two matches against Mike Quackenbush. One as a surprise in Orlando, and then again in this tournament here. Yeah. And to a lot of people's surprise, Rory Gulak won that tournament. And Rory himself has been a little bit of a, a mini tour de force in Chikara, uh, in a way, trying to take the spot of his brother that he had uh, that he had made for himself, that he carved for himself before exiting Chikara. So that's kind of a, I think they're trying to make it sort of an even trade, one Gulak for another in the company right. and the J will return in season 19. So that seems to be a staple. And I think it's worth mentioning that, that Mike Quackenbush has wrestled much more this season than any other season uh, since his injury yeah. back in 2013, uh, wrestled Zack Sabre jr. Twice wrestled Johnny kid in England. And then he wrestled Max smash master in smash masters retirement match in November. Yeah. And, uh, the interesting thing there is that when Quack and Johnny Kidd wrestled in 2016, he made a point to say, there's no points in this match. and The winner of this match does not get any points for a title, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't say that about the rematch. And then when he faces Mike Quack, or Max Smashmaster on, uh, on his little nameplate, they show one point. Mm. So I'm like, Quack and Bush is slowly getting some points here. <laughs> and uh, he never did hold the grand championship. And that, if I know Quack, <laughs> that is something that might still stick in his craw. So yeah. uh, don't be surprised if he, if he comes out of retirement yet again, wrestles another match, and then uh, gets handed those three coins, and uh, something happens. We'll see. Right. Uh, but Yeah. To his credit, he, he was like, he's still the guy that 
wrestled for the Grand Championship in its infancy. Like, he wrestled Eddie Kingston for the title in the finals of that, uh, the 12 Large Summit, but he lost. And so, yeah, I can imagine, like, maybe something about that might still kind of get to <laughs> so many years right. later. He, he was in the inaugural match to decide the first champion and then never challenged for it again. And maybe now is time. We'll see. Uh, and I guess the the kind of this, the last thing is talking about the tag titles. We started the year with Carmels and Defarge. Then uh, Solo Darling won the, the Infinite Gauntlet in the season and cashed in for her and Travis Huckabee, now known as the Rumblebees. Mm-hmm. And they won the titles from Carmels and Defarge in a match in Gibsonville, North Carolina, only for Los Ice Creams to cash in immediately afterwards and defeat them to win the titles uh, for real this time. Yep. And their strategy seems to be making sure no other team gets three points <laughs> so that they can remain champions forever. It's not a bad strategy, I got to yeah. tell you. It's just, I will admit, like as much of a fan of Los Ice Creams as I am, it still seems weird to me that they are the champs right now. You know, uh, very much so. <laughs> I made a sim- I made similar comments when they won the title the first time, only for it to be overturned. I was like, but now you know, with it being more legitimate, I'm like, we live in a world where Los Ice Cream are the Chikara Tag Champs. And yes, we do. What a world! It's a world. It's a world that I would like to be part of. So, yeah, there. Yeah, there's definitely been. It's been. It's been a very eventful season, if you will. I think uh, just seeing so many different things coming about over it. Uh, I do want to touch on the the stuff with the whisper this past season. Because, like, you know, you mentioned, we, t- you know, we talked about it a little bit with season 17 where he seems to hold the secrets of many of these wrestlers. But for one secret in particular that he seemed to have was something involving uh, everyone's favorite Cobra, Ophidian. And that's led to some really interesting thing the last couple months of the season. It has. Uh, with the whisper knowing some secrets, he he dropped a pretty huge one on us in June when he basically revealed that that the seventeen we saw in season fourteen was not the original seventeen we had seen in seasons prior, but it was Ophidian masquerading as the character of seventeen. And if you go and watch the promo from seventeen, the Shard and Jigsaw from King of Trios twenty fourteen, which is on YouTube, it's on the Chakar mm-hmm. Special YouTube channel. And you hear seventeen talk; it is very obviously Ophidian. Um, I, if you don't think about it, you don't think anything of it. But when you listen to it, it there's no denying it's him. <laughs> so, and what I think is very interesting, and some people forget, is that the night seventeen disappeared, he saved Frightmere from being killed by Ducalion. Mm. Now. Frightmere would then go on a couple years later to be the death of Amasis, Soldier Ant, Worker Ant, Arctic Rescue Ant, Kodama, Silver Ant, and maybe a couple others in there I'm forgetting. Yeah. And you almost have to think back, if Ophidian hadn't stopped Deucalion then from killing Frightmere, he'd still have his tag partner around. We'd still have all these characters in Chikara around. Mm-hmm. So that's something I don't think they've they've really touched on very much here, but Ophidian made a pretty big mistake at the time, even though it wasn't a mistake then. When you fast forward to to what happened in 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 the the latter years, I think 
there are some people who may hold that against him. Yeah. Um, and so he revealed this, and then Ophidian lost a sarcophagus match to Howard Wicked a couple months later and was buried by the Whisper. And the Whisper then assumed the identity of Ophidian, an identity he still has right now. Yep. And he started saying, I'm gonna I'm going to to become the better Ophidian. And it seems to me that this is basically the body now of the Whisper. Because the Whisper, when he used to do promos, they had to be projected onto a screen. Right. Um, and now that he's Ophidian, he can talk for himself. So now he has this vessel in which he can be himself and try to prove he's the better Ophidian. Uh, he won Ray De Voladores, which Ophidian, the original Ophidian did in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won the Young Lions Cup, which the original Ophidian never was able to do. And then he recruited a brand new Amasis to go after the Campeones de Parejas. Mm-hmm. And although they got three points, uh, 17 returned and injured both of them. Yep. Indefinitely, it seems like. So we'll see if, uh, if maybe the Whisperer decided that being Ophidian was not the right move. Or, uh, or what, what is to come of this new imposter Osirian portal. But that's definitely been one of the more interesting aspects of the latest season. And, uh, you know, for, for what it's worth, I think the Whisper's done a really great job making the Ophidian character his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, one thing that's been so intriguing about the Whisper is, like, not only that particular storyline in itself, but as we as we talked about before, like, his sort of hand that he's had in other storylines that have happened throughout the course of season 18. You know, we talked about uh, Lucas Calhoun and Jeremy Leary, something that was very much a season 17 story that also had a very big place in season 18. And just like, you know, we go from having Lucas Calhoun and Jeremy Leary facing off in a hair versus hair match to Lucas Calhoun disappearing from Chikara for a bit. And Jeremy Leary apparently knows people like he knows. And this, this was interesting because I was, I was looking back and I was looking at the descriptions that they have for the events on Chikaratopia uh, or on the event pages. Uh, and one of the things they mentioned for closing time is they mentioned like the Proteus wheel kind of resurfacing. And I thought that was interesting that it was, it was addressed, you know, because at closing time we see, Professor Nicodemus and some very interesting masked characters. So this has been another storyline that's been interesting, kind of weird to follow because again, you know, the whisper has a conversation with Jeremy Leary at one point and suddenly Jeremy Leary has had like an issue with missile assault man at the end of that season. Mm. Well, he had an issue with Calhoun and Missile uh-huh. Assault Man, both who were part of the Teeter conglomerate. Both if we were together in Battleborn, you know, rescued by Kevin Condren and given these new identities. And so there's, I don't know what, you know, why he's doing it again, but there's obviously unfinished business or they're still haunted and have some sort of PTSD from their days from Teeter that they're trying to put behind them, but obviously missiles seemingly cannot do. And yeah. when all this went down, when Leary and, uh, you know, professor Nicodemus came out and, and, uh, with three larger, uh, Volgars, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and whispered a missile and he walked away, maybe to never be seen again. Calhoun tweeted like, Nope, now I know what I got to do. 
So we'll probably see him again next season and going to try to fight off the the, the Proteus wheel. I didn't even know that about the description. So that's that's good intel. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it it made me realize that I might have to go back and try to because, you know, I watched it live, but I've been trying to wait and see if they put like the post credits stinger like same sometimes so yeah because usually what happens is with these the shows that they that they stream live on chikartopias if i can i'll watch it live uh, not mm-hmm. i can't usually watch everything live but most things if i'm if i'm around i do make an attempt to and then i'll wait until the the fully edited stuff with all the promos and match uh-huh. graphics and and ending and then i'll go and i'll do my review of it and rewatch it again yeah um and that doesn't seem to have happened with with this show yet so either it isn't going to happen, or for some reason they're taking their sweet time getting the the final produced yeah. version of the show up yeah. there. So we will see what happens, but yeah, th- that was like the first. And like I said, this was the description I saw when I was checking like the, I think the season eighteen page. I went to the closing time event page and it mentioned it on there. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's been very curious to see like kind of the 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 shadows of the teeter conglomerate slowly kind of looming over Chikara again after so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. And we also saw Ashley Vox with the tutelage of Oberian find her dark place, find whatever she needed to, and now she is known as Oceana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be a ruler of sea creatures as she beat Murloc, mm-hmm. and then Murloc bowed to her. And uh, it makes me makes me think. There's other sea creatures on the roster. What's going to happen with them? Are Hermit Crab and Cajun Crawdad going to bow to Oceana too? Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's very curious to see what's what's happening with that. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. There there was so much to talk about with season seventeen and eighteen. I feel like we could go on, you know, a lot longer talking about it. But I do kind of want to take a quick look. At season 19, to kind of wrap things up, uh, the main things we know so far is that they've announced several, like, they've announced almost an entire year's worth of shows, at least, like, because they've, they've announced, like, almost every month has a show at the Wrestle Factory, and the... Almost two months, or almost two shows a month. Yeah. Except for a couple. Yeah, and in many, uh, I think it was it was a thing they showed right after the conclusion of closing time or near the end was that every show at the wrestle factory is going to be live on Chikaratopia. So that was something that like they've kind of done the last season or so, but it was interesting to have them explicitly, uh, announce that and advertise that. And it's been very curious to see like what's going to happen with the season. Uh, they, you know, all the show titles. Well, most of the show titles are named after Goosebumps books, which I'm I'm just totally thrilled for because I loved reading Goosebumps growing up. As did I. Yeah, if you look at the calendar, if you include the Hour of Power, there's mm-hmm. 19 events on the page, and only one of them is not at the Wrestle Factory. So that's 18 shows. Right. As of now, and there's probably going to be more Hours of Power, and maybe a couple other events announced. That are going to be live streamed from the Wrestle Factory, right? So it seems to me like this is obviously their way of trying to to ramp up Chikartopia subscriptions. I already have mine, so that's so that's wonderful Same. news that I'll be able to watch all these shows. 
And, uh, you know, they announced King of Trios is going to be in Pennsylvania, but they did not state Easton, Philly, or anywhere else in Pennsylvania. So right. we'll see what comes of that. Right. I, I think what's – and I'm looking at season 19 page now, and what's interesting is not only do they have – you know, they have the shows that are named after Goosebumps already on here. They also have uh, select – they they have – it's interesting especially to see some of these uh, – certain returning matches and match types like they have a cybernetical announced for November. That is a separate show for the first time since season 14. No season 14. Season 14 was the first time that was part of the uh, season finale. So I believe I want uh, season 12 would probably be or season Season 11, season 11. That's right. Season 12 was a half, half, half year. Uh, yeah, season 11 was the last time they had a separate Cybernetico show. So this one, Cybernetico Seven Man Army uh, on November 24th. And then they have they also have Chikarasaurus Rex as a separate show, uh, just like it was this past year. Uh, uh, they all, Oh, here we go. La, La Loteria Letal, the Lethal Lottery. Yes, finally. Is back after how many years? Since two thousand September two thousand eight was the one and only Lethal Lottery back in season seven. So there we go. Uh, Ten it's great later. to see it back again. Ten years later, that's great. Yeah, so that's coming back. Uh, Infinite Gauntlet is its own show this year, and that's the one the, that you mentioned. That's... And the Young Lions Cup is not part of National Pro Wrestling Day. It's going to be a two night event in March instead. Yep. So, and they are still doing National Pro Wrestling Day in February, a little bit later this year, but still, it's a it's a free event to attend and watch and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that this year that it's yeah, because it's not the. Uh, uh, it was interesting that it's not the uh, season premiere like it was this past season. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's very interesting, very and oh, and also on top of everything else, uh, tag World Grand Prix is a, a separate show. So, yeah, it, I, I think it, you know, it's going to be a very interesting season. Um, and like you mentioned before, Infinite Gauntlet being the one show not at the Wrestle Factory. Uh, I'm kind of curious, to be honest, I'm hoping that they do have some shows outside of Pennsylvania, but at this rate, it's kind of like the chances of that are looking kind of slim at this point. Which is fine, I because I know there's been talks about them trying to maybe focus more on shows at the Wrestle Factory, right? And and why wouldn't you if it's if it's if it's a building you own if if you don't have to, it makes it easier for for them anyways with the ring already being set up, the entrance already being set up. You just you know kind of flip a light switch and make sure all the the streaming stuff works just fine, and you're pretty much ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only, you know, the only thing is, I actually went to the Wrestle Factory for the first time in November for the Powerbomb TV show, mm-hmm. and gosh, there's like no parking around there. You gotta, you gotta take your chances parking other other parts of the street and hope you don't get towed. So, you know, that's just, you know, for me personally, it's like, eh, I don't know about going there, but watching live stream, who cares? Just watch it at home, and no problems there. But, but, but I'm thinking. Man, if they hold trios there, that's going to be really interesting to see how that how that's all handled. Yeah, yeah. 
but it would be the first King of Trios live streamed on Chikaratopia, which would, I think, uh, get a lot of people's attention. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's been that's been something that certain people have been clamoring for for a couple of years now. And other people have been like, well, it's probably better to just have as big a space as possible for King of Trios. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I still hold out hope for a show in Southern California, but I've kind of learned not to expect anything. <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would say that the best thing you're going to get live is the live stream. So yeah. sorry, my friend. Yeah, but it, it's all good. But, uh, cause even I think uh, I figured it was deep blue something or something else where, where Mike said that, you know, far and away the, the one place they've never run a show or that people clamor for is Texas. And that is just, it's just not feasible to bring that large amount of people with them to, yeah. to such a location for an event like that. So California is even more of a Herculean task right? for, right. for, for a team like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens in season 19. Yeah. One thing that's been kind of cool is the way they've been promoting the first, the first show of season 19, uh, making emphasis on the fact that if you're in town for the Royal Rumble, you can come watch a Chikara show the afternoon of. Yeah, it's super smart. Like, uh, you know, if if you're a Chikara fan and you're going for the Rumble, why wouldn't you go to the Wrestle Factory? Or, you know, if you have a Chikara Tobia subscription, you can tailgate or as you're getting ready for for the Rumble, watch it on watch it on your phone or TV or iPad or whatever else you have and make a whole day of it, whether from afar or uh, or in Philadelphia. It's a, it's it seems like a no-brainer to me when you have a, a ton of yeah. people coming to a city for wrestling. Have another wrestling show. It's what people are there for. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, go ahead and start to wrap this up. Uh, I want So what would you say would maybe be your favorite match? If you could pick just one match, which I realize is probably going to be difficult, but if you could pick one match from season 18 or 17, what would you say was, was your favorite match? My favorite match or the best match? Um, cause they're different. Uh, let's go with, let's go with one of each. I'm kind of curious to hear. <laughs> okay. I think the best match of C, uh, of either of them would be firing it versus Juan Francisco de Coronado from a good man goes to war from Chicago on October 28th. Okay. Um, just a classic title match. It's very, it's very much akin to when fire Ant uh, won the young lions cup from Vin Gerard, a very similar story. Uh, but this time fire Ant had the title, within his grasp literally and just couldn't just didn't get it done against Juan. It's, it's right. unbelievable. I love the Chicago crowd. The Logan square crowd is, is always some of my favorites. Um, and, and I think a lot of these days where you have a double header and, and a matinee in the evening show, it's very hard for one of them to not overshadow the other. And a lot of times it's the evening one. This is a day where I feel like both cards hit a home run, but right. it ended with Juan versus fire Ant, which was just absolutely tremendous. Right. Can't recommend it enough, especially for people who are who are detractors of Juan Francisco. <laughs> uh, this is a match worth worth seeking out. Uh, my favorite match of the season was personally the main event of Anniversario mm. in uh, School Reunion in uh, Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Uh, let's see, it was Ultramanus Black, Dasher Hatfield, Ophidian, Icarus, and Mister Zero against Gran Akuma, Juan Francisco de Coronado. El Ijo del Ice Cream, Hallow Wicked, and Frightmare in just 
a classic 30 plus minute Chikara main event. It, it checked off all the boxes of everything you can want from a Chikara match. Mm-hmm. Great action, great humor, lots of, of fun throwbacks when, when coming to the pairings in the match, when uh, some of the spots in the match. It was just a, a absolute delight as somebody who's been a longtime Chikara fan there for the 15th anniversary watching this match unfold in front of my eyes. It's it's not going to be everybody's favorite of the year if you're not a Chikara buff per se, but right. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite match of the year, although Fire Ant and, and, and uh, Juan Francisco from a story standpoint in a, in a classic pro wrestling match I think is the mm-hmm. best match mm-hmm. uh, for people to watch. Go ch- check them both out. Oh, yeah, for sure. See, that to be honest, this was... Uh, me asking you about your favorite match was partly an excuse to talk about that main event from Anniversario because that was one that I definitely uh, made it a point to go watch myself and that was just it was just so much fun I did especially love the bits uh, where you know you have Elio Ice Cream supposedly being torn between what team to be on the Technicos trying to recruit him to their side and just kind of what follows up on that a lot. Of, I think a lot of that was very much classic Chikara, and of course, you know, the return of Mister Zero was especially nice to see. Like it was great to have Grand Akuma back, but I think because I had an opportunity some time ago to watch the first Chikara show, and I still very much enjoy watching that match between Mister Zero and Dragonfly. So it was really cool to see Mister Zero back in action. So, yeah, de- definitely, definitely a good show, and I think. I think overall they they I think overall Chikara did some great stuff with season seventeen and eighteen, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming year. So, with that, we'll go ahead and kind of wrap things up on this nice little look back at two thousand seventeen. Uh, Kevin, I want to thank you again for coming on and chatting with me about it. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at, at KFord13, talking about anything and everything. Lots of wrestling stuff, though, both Chikara and non Chikara. But for specifically Chikara stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Chikara Special. That is the dissemination point for all my other related Chikara websites, including my review blog, ChikaraSpecial.wordpress.com, in which I review every Chikara show to take place. And occasionally some matches where Chikara students wrestle in other organizations. That's all in one blog for you to read. Uh, you can also go to the Chikara YouTube channel, uh, the Chikara Special, where I post promos from every Chikara event, and uh, the Chikara Special Tumblr page, chikaraspecial.tumblr.com. Any bit of news from Chikara, whether it's a match announcement, a YouTube video, a blog, anything else, I've been running it since 2011, so you can go back and check out some really old stuff, or just keep current by following it on Tumblr, and again, all those can be followed through the Chikara Special Twitter page and then uh, i do this podcast viva chikar with justin houston usually previewing uh, whatever chikar show is coming up usually it's recorded the week of the event so he and i will be back sometime the final week of january to preview the january 28th event beware of the snowman the uh the uh, the uh, season 19 premiere for chikara so that'll be on pro wrestling ponderings or pwponderings.com if you will and again thanks so much alex for having me on this podcast it's been a lot of fun Yes, it has. Thank you so much. For those of you that have been paying attention on Twitters, uh, this is definitely kind of meant to be a return for Chikara in 15 minutes or less. So with uh, Season 19 coming back, I'll be sure to get regular episodes going up. Uh, I've been kind of working on tweaking the format 
uh, trying to go back and maybe do kind of a, a look back at certain themes and, you know, look back at different seasons of Chikara. So I'm still working that out, but my goal is to try to get back in to regular podcasting before season 19 starts. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure and go to the Chikara season 17 and 18 awards thread over at the Chikara 101 forums. Uh, I have a link there to go vote for the awards for season 17 and 18. Uh, Kevin, have you had a chance to vote yet? I did, actually. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I asked because I still remember uh, a couple years ago when I was doing the awards, some random person put uh, you down as the best blogger, and I remember making a a note that, well, uh, the Jakara special is the place to find Jakara blogs, that Kevin Ford is not himself a blogger, so please keep in please keep that in mind when you go vote. Uh, <laughs> uh, Although I do appreciate the vote, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Then then again, I did find one vote that was very clearly uh, Prakash Sabar voting Juan Francisco for like every award. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's good to know that you at least vet the awards. So that's oh yeah, important to know. I mean, you, you kind of have to, you know. Um, it's been interesting, uh, without giving too much away, there has been some clear cut winners already for certain categories, but it's kind of good to look through the votes and see the voting pattern. So I'm going to keep that, the awards voting up for, I believe another week or two at this point. I don't remember the exact date, but once, uh, once the voting is over, I'm going to try to get everything done and do a special episode just to kind of reveal the winners. So that way I don't have an issue that I did last year of promising to do uh, an award special and then waiting two to three months before finally just posting the results on the forums. So I'm hoping to avoid that this year. Uh, But uh, yeah. So yeah. um, So yeah, go ahead and vote for the awards if you haven't already. Uh, Be sure to continue to follow uh, the Chikara 15 podcast at CI. 15 podcasts on facebook and twitter and thanks again to kevin and uh we'll catch you guys next time on chikar and 15 <laughs>